Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. This weekend, we're going to continue our series entitled Burn the Ships. And the ship we're going to burn this week is the ship of the old way. And the title of this message is a little strong, and so is this message. And and I just want to tell you, as we kick this off, I want you to get a piece of paper, all right? Get a pen out. I want you to be taking notes. We're going to do some work together in this message, a little bit different than normal. Uh, I'm not just going to preach this. We're going to do this together, all right? So make sure you have something to write with, something to write on, whether it's your phone, whether it's an actual piece of paper. Go ahead and get that right now, all right? And, and here's the title of the message. The church is at the crossroads. The church is at the crossroads. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing, depending upon which way we choose to go at the crossroad. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. And we're going to turn through multiple places, so make sure you have your Bible. If you don't have one, you can just follow along on the screen as you're watching me, all right? But we're going to start off in Jeremiah chapter 6. Let's read verse 16 together. This is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old. The the Hebrew word there is the word for ancient. It's olam. Ask for the ancient, godly way and walk in it. Travel its path, and you will find rest for your souls. On the ancient godly path, you will find rest for your soul. Now, what we're going to do in this message is we're going to take a look at what I'm going to call the old way, which is, represents our old way, not the good way, and we're going to kind of put that up against the ancient way. One of the things that happens when we navigate crisis or storms in life is it really brings clarity to the things that are good in life, but also the things that are not so good in life. And so we're going to take a look at what what I'm praying becomes our old way that we burn up today, all right, compared to the ancient godly way. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this first thing down. The old way involved unhealthy crutches. The old way involved unhealthy crutches. If you're in Jeremiah 6, flip a couple pages to Jeremiah chapter 17. We're going to read four verses together in Jeremiah 17. Starting in verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength. Okay? That's what a crutch looks like, relying on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. So see right there, there's a connection between relying on human strength and turning away in our hearts from the Lord. Now look at verse 6. Verse 6 tells us what the life of somebody who relies on human strength, what their life looks like. Verse 6, they are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. 
That's not very, very uh, appealing, right? Scripture is clear. When we rely on human strength, when we have unhealthy crutches, this is what life is going to look like. Now, how do you know if something serves as a crutch? Here's the answer. You lean on it rather than on God when you want to make yourself feel better. How do you know if something serves as a crutch in your life? You reach for it instead of God to make yourself feel better. Now, what, what is a crutch? What, what things can be crutches? Here, here's the way I would say it. Good things can, can, crutches aren't bad things in and of themselves. For instance, food can be a crutch. Is food bad? No. But can it be? Yes. Yes. If you're quarantining right now, and, and you feel out of control. Everything's just out of control. The world's out of control. What's going to happen? And it brings comfort to you to go into the, the pantry to grab whatever you feel like eating, feeding yourself those things, passing the line of what is healthy to what is unhealthy. Here's what happens. Food has become a crutch. Good things become bad things when we lean on them rather than on the Lord. One of the things that happens in storms or crisis is our crutches get really obvious. Here's the second thing. Write this down. The ancient way, okay, so we talked about the old way. Now let's compare it. The ancient way involves leaning only on the Lord. Keep going in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. So the opposite, so the, the old way to rely on human strength, on crutches, okay? The ancient godly way is to rely on God. Those who have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Now watch verse 8 because it describes what the life of someone who relies on God rather than on human strength, what their life looks like. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Can I get an amen? They are not worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. God often uses crisis to reveal our unhealthy crutches. I'll kind of illustrate it like this. Let's say Oreos are your thing, okay? Just as an example, Oreos are your favorite snack, your favorite treat, and you, as you started to hear that we were going to go into uh, self-isolation and quarantine, you rushed to the grocery store a little bit too late, and you go to grocery store number one, and they had the bare essentials. They had everything you needed. And you go to the Oreo aisle, and there are no Oreos. So you decide to go to store number two. And you go right to the Oreo aisle. There are no Oreos. Now you're starting to, to get a little frustrated. Your heart's racing because you go, I, I got to have my Oreos. I got to have my Oreos. You go to store number three. No Oreos. You drive 18 miles to store number four, no Oreos. Store number five, no Oreos. You get to store number six, 
There are no Oreos. And I want you just to get the picture. It's as though God, by store six, is in the Oreo aisle, kind of like this, looking at you when you, you lose it emotionally on the inside because you can't find your crutch. You can't find the Oreos. And it's like God says this. Uh, are we going to talk about this now? Do you realize the lengths you have gone to prop yourself up with this crutch? Son, Oreos can't do for you what I can. You don't need to be running around looking for your crutch. You were created to run to me, to lean on me. When God knocks your crutches out from under you, he's not trying to bring you pain. He's trying to bring you close. That's John 15. And I'm not going to read it. You can study it later. John 15, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. Jesus says, listen, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Remain in me. Abide in me. And I'll abide in you. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. You were not created to connect more with Oreos than you connect with God. And I know it sounds silly. But in a storm, how many of us reach to connect to a crutch more than we reach to connect with Christ? One of the most romantic things God does is take you through a season with no alternatives because it's there you find he is your best option. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to take the next 90 seconds, and I want you to do a little bit of work right now, okay? This is just between you and the Lord. Get out your paper, your phone, whatever you're taking notes with right now, and I want you to take 90 seconds and do some reflection. And we're going to put a question up on the screen, and I want you just to do a little bit of, of digging personally, all right? Here's the question. When times are toughest, what unhealthy crutches do you most consistently lean on? Take the next 90 seconds, do a little bit of work, and if you're feeling really brave and you're watching this with family or friends right now, give your answers out loud and talk through it, all right? You got 90 seconds. Do a little bit of digging.
Let's keep going. Okay? If you're taking notes, and you all should be, I want you to write this next thing down. The old way, remember we're going old way and ancient way. The old way involved unnecessary busyness. Unnecessary busyness. Have you noticed how as we've been kind of forced to slow down, how much attention it's brought to how busy we were before? I mean, we're all seeing this. Our schedules have slowed down dramatically. And if you're anything like me, I'm having to kind of look at all of the things that maybe I was doing in busyness that were actually not as necessary as I thought they were. Here's what you need to remember about earthly busyness. Earthly busyness always gets in the way of kingdom effectiveness. And the old way was all about busy, 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 busy. Busyness is often a symptom of an addiction to the word more. I need more opportunity, so I gotta have more meetings. I need more stuff, so I gotta work more hours. More, more, more. And the more we're driven by more, the busier we are, oftentimes unnecessarily. I pray that that becomes the old way that we burn up. Where we're not just busy, we're effective. The ancient way, write this down, the ancient way involves godly simplicity. The ancient way involves godly simplicity. For those of you who are parents, you know this truth, uh, that every once in a while, your children, one of your children will say something so incredibly profound at the dinner table. And last night, we were having dinner as a family, and our daughter made this really incredible statement. She said, Daddy, it's amazing that it takes something like this crisis to remind us all how important simple things are. She said, I've played in the backyard with my brothers. We've played more games as a family. We've had more meals together as a family. We, we, we have done more together. We have done more life together. It's the simple things. And it's pretty awesome. I didn't realize, my daughter said, how busy I was and how much I was actually missing out on. Th- this is from a teenager. This is what many of us are learning right now, that, that much of the busyness we were experiencing was not nearly as important as the simple things. And the ancient way, the old godly way, involves godly simplicity. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 7 says this, A pretentious, showy life is an empty life. A plain and simple life is a full life. I wonder how many of us actually believe that, that a plain and simple life is a full life. You're probably having to go without some things. Maybe it's trips to the gym every day, whatever it is, or or playing golf at the club, or whatever it is. You're going without a lot of those things, and you're probably seeing that the, the simple life 
is actually a very full life. There's a passage of scripture, a story that involved Jesus in Luke chapter 10. And if you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to it so you can see it. It's the story of Martha and Mary. And it is really a perfect picture of somebody who's too busy for probably the wrong reasons, doing unnecessary things, compared to someone who understands what's most important in the moment. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, let's read it together. Now it happened as they went that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Okay, much serving sounds godly, doesn't it? But isn't it interesting that Scripture says she was distracted with much serving? And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed. How simple is that? One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this one liner down. The godly path leads away from the traditions of man and priorities of the world to embrace the timeless patterns and truths of God's word. Let me say it again. I know it's on your screen, but I need you to catch this. The godly path leads away from the traditions of man and priorities of the world to embrace the timeless patterns and truths of God's word. Too many of us have convinced ourselves we can't live with all this stuff. We can't live without it. And so we push and we push and we stay busy and we cram our everyday lives with all this stuff. And then we get into a crisis. And we realize, wow, the simple way actually is the better way. Now, when Jesus says one thing matters, what is he talking about? He's pointing at himself. Mary was sitting at his feet. That's how simple life is meant to be. Boil it down to one priority. Jesus says, I am. The number one priority. You want a simple life? Make your priority me. Not all of that stuff. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the next 90 seconds. And we're going to put, I I may give you even a little bit more time. Let's say two minutes. Okay, because I'm going to give you two questions. And I want you to take some time. Don't just tune out during this. We're doing this so that you understand we're connecting. Even though you're not in the room I'm in, and no one is right now. I want you to be connecting with what the Holy Spirit is saying. All right? So take this seriously. I want you to do some work because God is speaking and we need to respond. All right? So we're going to put up two questions and I'll read them to you so you can see them go up on the screen. First question. What are two to three busy things you need to do less of every week? Here's the second question. What are two to three 
simple things you need to make a part of your weekly schedule. All right? Take the next two minutes, and I want you to answer these questions. Do a little bit of soul searching. Do a little bit of digging. All right? Answer these questions. Let's keep going. And I'm just going to tell you, you're probably not going to like this next part, okay? <laughs> I know your flesh isn't going to like it, but this is really important that we catch because I believe that the opportunities that we have in the middle of this uh, season that we find ourselves in are predicated upon this one thing, this principle right here, all right? So let's go back the old way. The old way involved living your best life. I hope and pray that was the old way. Everybody talking about living your best life. What, what does living your best life actually look like? Let me give you what it looks like. Self-centeredness. Is that direct enough? Self-centeredness. And let me, let me say it like this. How do you know when you're self-centered? Here's the answer. When the bulk of your decisions benefit you more than anyone else. This, I pray, is the old way. It's definitely not the ancient way. I pray that the old way of living a self-centered life, and listen, I am guilty and was guilty as much as anybody. We're all prone to this, seeing life in such a way where we believe we're kind of the center of our universe, but that is not the truth, and that is most certainly not the way. I am not the center of my life, just like you are not the center of yours. Now, the ancient way, 
if we're to prop that up against the old ungodly way. The ancient way involves you dying daily. I told you you weren't going to like it. The ancient godly way involves you and me dying daily. When is a Christ follower most like Christ? When he or she is dying. Preston, are you talking literally? No. I'm, I'm talking about spiritually, consistently laying our lives down. I, I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but I, I personally believe God designed marriage to kill you. <laughs> I do. I, I, I learned this early on in marriage. And if marriage doesn't kill you, I think God created something else to finish the deal. Parenting. Marriage and parenting were designed to kill us. To literally kill all of the selfishness in us. This is what love does. It lays down what it wants for the good of the other. I learned this early on. When, when Holly and I got engaged and we started talking about a honeymoon, I had dreamt of going to Canada and, and go skiing on my honeymoon. For years, I wanted to go to Canada and go skiing. And I went to Holly, at the time my fiance, and I said, I got it. I have researched the best place for us to go on our honeymoon. And she said, where? Where? And I said, we're going to go to Banff. She said, what's that? Is that a beach? I said, no. It's a place to ski in Canada. And here's where she said, if you would like me to be on your honeymoon, you will choose a beach, not Banff. <laughs> and there was part of me that was like, I, but I've been dreaming about skiing on our honeymoon. She said, no, no, no. I, 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 don't, I don't like the cold. I want to go to the beach. And it was just a small little example, a reminder that if this is going to work, I'm going to have to lay down constantly that which I want for the good of the one I love. This is what the Christian life is meant to look like. Jesus said it best, greater love hath no man than to lay his or her life down for another. This is what we're called to do. Now, Jesus, in Luke 9, if you've got a Bible, flip there. And while you're flipping there, let me read you what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Just as death in life is certain for every human. So death to self is for every believer. Listen to me closely. We are not going to be able to be the church, the bride of Christ in this dispensation of time on the earth if all of us as believers are living self-centered lives. One of the best ways when everyone else is going without more than ever before and needing help more than ever before. This is our chance to help them. But we're not going to be able to help if we choose self-centeredness over sacrifice. 
Where would I be? Where would you be if Jesus had not laid his life down for you? You need to understand there are going to be moments where your neighbors who don't believe in Jesus yet are watching you and they have a need pop up and they're going to see if you see it. But they're not just looking to see if you see their need. You know what they're doing? They want to know if the one who talks about the extravagant love of God will be extravagant with them as it relates to their need during this time. And I'm just telling you, if I choose self-centeredness over sacrifice, I'm going to miss out on a ton of kingdom opportunities. This is what the Christian life is meant to look like, not just in crisis, not just in, in storms, but also in calm seas. Jesus, in Luke chapter 9, Verse 23 said this, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, Preston. You have to give up your own way. You've got to die to that. You've got to stop fighting for your way all the time. Preston, stop being so self-centered. If you want to be my follower, you must give up on your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, white-knuckling everything that you think makes your life your life, everything that revolves around you, Preston, if you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I remember years ago when I was going through what for me has been the biggest crisis that I've lived through. It was one of the rockiest times for us uh, as a family and our marriage. Uh, and, and about a five month period of time, a lot of things went bad really quickly. And I was walking through a, a season of, I'll just call it unbridled pride. You talk about self-centered. All I thought about was how everything affected me. I was so self-centered in that season. And now looking back, I see that God was one by one knocking the crutches, the unhealthy, ungodly crutches out from underneath me so that my only option would be him. But I fought it. And I fought it hard. My attitude was horrific. My habits were unhealthy. And God knocked me to my knees. I looked at the people I worked with as my competition. I looked at my boss. We would meet together, and I would say, after our meeting, in my mind, I would say, if anybody won that meeting just now, it was me. I was in such an unhealthy place. And I remember when God knocked the crutches out from underneath me, and I fell on my knees, humbled myself, and told the Lord, I can't keep doing this. I can't live like this anymore. I remember there were some very tangible things that happened next. And here was one of the most important. I remember the Lord saying, Preston, you're so busy fighting to survive, to live the life you think you deserve. 
what I need you to understand is, son, if you're going to follow me, I need you to do what Jesus did. I need you to die. And I remember a couple days later, I pulled up to my office at the time. It was early in the morning. Very few people were there. And my boss had already gotten there. And I pulled up next to him, and I noticed he had a flat tire on his car. And here was my first thought. I'm just being honest. My first thought was, oh, that stinks. And I started to walk into the office, and I just felt the Holy Spirit say, what does death look like in this situation? And, and, and honestly, I wasn't in the habit of dying consistently and daily at that time. And I kind of thought, I, I, I don't really care what death looks like right now. I just felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Preston, I want you to go to Walmart, get a patch kit, get a pump. And I want you to fix this tire and never tell him. Was it that big of a deal? No. In that moment, for me, it was the beginning of creating a new habit. Laying down what was best for me. Moving about my day. Focusing on me, stopping everything, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and laying my life down, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in huge ways. Listen to me closely. You and I are about to have some of the greatest opportunities to expand the boundaries of God's kingdom in this season of time, the likes of which we may have never seen before. But I am convinced of this one thing. That if the sons and daughters of the Most High God walk through this season self-centered, we're going to miss out on most, if not all, of the opportunities. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and Jesus said it best. Greater love hath no man. No one can show greater love than doing this being someone who lays their life down for another. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.